Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Duke Rivard. I'm the Executive Director of Saturate. Today we have a great episode for you where we talk with Jeff Vanderstelt about the important topic of family discipleship and the everyday stuff of life. COVID has exposed a lot about our discipleship as our structures have broken down and some of the ways that we've been uh, relating as a church have, have become difficult or impossible. And one of the things that's gotten exposed is the extent to which parents are or aren't equipped to make disciples in their own home. And so today we want to get after this important topic. We talk about some of the things Jeff and I've done over the years, even at different developmental ages for our kids. We talk about fighting screen time. Uh, We talk about uh, even our mistakes and some of the uh, real-time opportunities we have to own sin or to to share real-time what we're learning or what we're seeing. So, yeah, this is just going to be a a great episode uh, for us. I think it's infinitely practical. Uh, And we we know that we'll never see gospel saturation in our cities or towns unless we equip every parent to make disciples of their own children in the everyday stuff of life. So without anything further, uh, let's jump into today's episode with Jeff Vanderstelt. Duke Rivard here, Executive Director of the Soma Family of Churches in Saturate, along with Jeff Vanderstelt, Visionary of Soma in Saturate. Uh, welcome, Jeff. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, how's your how's your fall going? Seahawks are looking uh, pretty strong right now. That makes it for a good start, man. Yeah, loving that part for sure. That's awesome. Well, I have, I have Russell Wilson on my fantasy football team, and so I'm actually cheering with you this year. Yeah, I mean, he's playing a MVP type of season so far. We'll see what happens. Well, excited about today, Jeff. Uh, We're going to get to talk about uh, discipleship in all of life as it relates to family discipleship. And so, as you know, we've talked about COVID and and some of the ways that that has grounded some of our regular discipleship infrastructure. And so parents more than ever are, are needing to be able to disciple their children at home. Not that that's a new commitment. That's always been what parents were called to, but it just seems like it's coming to even sharper focus. Uh, as we get started, Jeff, I'd love to just talk about why is family discipleship important from your perspective? Well, not only is it very clearly laid out in Scripture, uh, as we're called to do that, but functionally, parents are the most significant shapers of their children's face. I mean, you are, you're forming them all the time, whether you're intentional or not. And so what we want to do is make sure we ask the question, how are we intentionally aware of the ways we're forming them, either through our activity or inactivity? So, yeah, I think it's how God designed things. It's, it is how they're going to be most formed. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, what are some components of family discipleship that we, we need to keep in mind as we think about this? Well, I think you've got to continue to come back to the basics. I think uh, so often, just like whether it's sports or anything else, you just got to learn the basics and make sure you keep practicing the basics. So, you know, do they read their Bibles? Do they know how their Bible is put together? Uh, do they do they know how to pray? Uh, not, not only alone, but together and for people? Um you know, do they know how to have time without their screens? I mean, these days, you know, do, do our kids know how to have silence and even solitude where they're just uh, quiet with God? And do they know the overall story of God and how the, the Bible isn't just a bunch of books, but it's actually a narrative telling us the story of God's redemptive work. Uh, and so all that's really important. And then, and then I know even in my own life, it's like, have they heard me share the gospel, uh, 
with people? Have they sat in situations where we spoke in the gospel of real challenges and struggles? Have they, do they know how to do that themselves as they take their own thoughts captive and think through what am I believing right now? And, and so that isn't just the basics of, of our faith, but then also learning how to practice it to one another, like really listening to each other. Uh, do they know how to confess out loud what they're experiencing, what they're struggling through, what they're believing, what they're not believing? Have they ever seen repentance modeled? You know, like, have their parents led them? Have my kids watched me own my sin, turn back to God in that area? Uh, have they seen me weak and struggle with them so that they see a vulnerability in me and know that I need all the things that I'm leading them into as much as they need them. And so for me, that's, that's not just teaching them the basics of the faith, but also practicing the conversations together around them because our own development is always relational in nature, not just us with God, but us with one another. How about you, man? What would you add to that? Yeah, no, I really appreciate you mentioning the basics because I think those shouldn't be assumed. I'm even thinking about my own journey, having grown up in the church and some of the principles or practices that I I learned along the way. Uh, one of them was my mom was really, really uh, focused on us being with the church anytime the church was gathered for any reason. And so we might call that not forsaking the assembly, like teaching kids how important the church is in their own life and development and helping them understand that Christianity is not a solo sport. It's not just you and Jesus. It's actually a body of, of Christ. I'm thinking of my dad. My dad is super strong in giving, uh, even financial giving, and just watching my parents uh, consistently give to the church and give to building programs, even after we moved out of that town and moved to a different city, but they had committed. <laughs> uh, just watching them stick to their commitments, watching them you know, give sacrificially, uh, watching them be hospitable with you know, missionaries are traveling or whoever. And so there's a lot of different things that um, end up adding up over, ta- over time, but it's just, you know, biblical Christianity, uh, but hopefully with, you know, parents both teaching the, the, the principle but then embodying it faithfully. Um, but of course, as you mentioned, there's struggle too. So <laughs> parents sit in front of their kids and, and how do you handle that and talk about what it looks like to come back and own it, you know, when, when you've sinned and, and, and whatnot, which is also highly, highly formative. Um, but let's talk about your family, Jeff. I mean, you, I know you're a, a great disciple maker. I've spent a lot of time with you over the last 10 years. I've seen, I've seen it up, up close, but what, what does discipleship look like in the Vanderstelt household over the years? Oh, we tried a lot of different things over the years. You know, I think we keep changing it up as well, according to seasons of life and, and age appropriate learning um, when they were really little. Uh, we did a lot more of the disciplines with them or to them, you know, like uh, doing bedtime routine every whenever I wasn't traveling, which I wasn't a whole lot when they were real young. Um, I, I I made it the goal to spend time with every one of my kids alone uh, at their bedside, uh, asking how the day went, taking time to pray uh, for them. Uh, over time, I would ask them to pray with me. And so we were praying together. Uh, we, we tried to, uh, regularly take them through the storybook Bible. So we were reading through the story of God, um, on a regular basis. We probably wore down that book. It started to fall apart at one point because we read through it so many times. Uh, we try to always keep them in community so that they were a part of the missional communities that we are part of. Um, 
And then we, we try to have dinner time conversations. It's hard when they're real little. Uh, I mean, I, I always joke about how some people tell their, tell their stories of how they disciple their kids. And it feels like a Norman, Nor, Norm, uh, Norman Rockwell painting. And uh, for me, it was a little bit more <laughs> like uh, a crazy episode of Simpsons or something. It just felt like we could, we could get anything to ever work, you know, like you'd hoped. And I think maybe that's probably more realistic of every family is, man, we had five minutes of maybe a significant conversation before someone started screaming or, you know, hitting their brother. And so I think there's a realism in that that's important. And then as they got a little older, I let them shape it a little bit. I said, hey, let's just pick theme nights, you know, you know like um, Monday would have one theme. It'd be like, hey, let's, let's encourage one another. We'd put someone on the hot seat and do that on Monday and Tuesday would be another theme and we'd have a different theme. I let them pick the themes, you know, what, what we would do, whether it's like, we're going to do a, an encouragement theme, or we're going to do a study theme, or we're going to do a, like Friday was family fun night and Saturday was Sabbath. Uh, so we tried to just let them choose the theme of, of the night. And we'd try that for a few months and always had to have freedom to, to change it up a little bit, but now they're older. And so, you know, my kids are teenagers. My daughter's just starting college, our oldest. And you know, it, it changes a bit. So we're now having morning routines together. My, like I said, Haley's off at college, but the other two are still at home. And since we're doing remote learning, we're getting up at the same time, having Bible uh, reading together and a short morning prayer. And it's really short. It's like 10 minutes. It's not much there, but it starts the day off together. And we're doing uh, our church gatherings at home. So that's given us time to do a lot more discussion around the text of what was preached. And we take communion together as a family and, and share what's going on in our hearts. So that's been really rich. Uh, we're trying to get into a regular 24-hour Sabbath practice weekly where we kind of change the routine up once a week. And, um, and then we we try to have conversations at dinner. Um, we, we always want to just check in because each one now has their own Bible reading plan. We encourage them to read at least 30 minutes a day before they get on screen time. Um, and then just say, hey, what are you learning in your Bible reading together? And so sometimes we'll have that conversation around dinner. Sometimes we'll have it in another place. But just checking in on what's going on in their own reading and their own time of prayer and what they're struggling through. And then I try to take special times aside. Caleb, when he gets his hair cut, uh, we'll then try to go get lunch together and talk about how's it going and do a check-in. I do the same thing with my daughters, maybe taking them on a daddy-daughter date to have a check-in. Um, so those are some of the things. And the other thing that is really important is I want my kids to not just have me be, or my, you know Janie, their mom, be their primary influence. We, we want them to be involved with uh, with adult mentors. You know, Haley's at a Christian house now in college, and she's going to be in, she's in a small group and has some mentors or in her life and our kids I'm, I'm regularly reaching out to other adults and saying hey we don't i can't do this alone here's the struggles i'm having with my kids would you be willing to meet with them or talk to them and be another voice in their life so i think that's really really important but how about you duke what what, what have you been doing i know you've got you're outnumbered right you're a household of women and you're the only guy there <laughs> uh so what's it look like in, in that particular situation for you yeah, no, I am. I've got three daughters and, and it's a girl house all, all day, every day. Um, yeah, so I think some of the uh, the key places for me are, are car times. And our daughters have played sports for most, most of their life, you know, since they were four or five years old. And now they're all teenagers. And so you get those car times and try to use those as, as places for conversation about what's going on. Uh, like you, yeah, when they were younger. A lot of Jesus story about Bible and that kind of thing. Um, we also, I, I've, I've tried to use, you know, challenges at different times, 
you know, trying to incentivize, uh, like, Hey, if you read the Bible this year and watch the Bible project videos, we'll get you a, you know, an iPad or a Kindle or something. Actually, it's a knockoff iPad. <laughs> we'll get you the cheap hundred dollar version at target. Uh, but you know, one of my kids is really incentivized that way. And the other two really much less so. And so that doesn't always play the same for, for each kid. Uh, but like you, uh, try to do one-on-one dates with the girls. You know, I find that you get a different version of a kid one-on-one. Uh, you get to tailor what you're talking about, even maturity-wise, age-appropriate-wise. Um, yeah, real recently, one of my, my oldest daughter actually wanted to be baptized and express that. And so, you know, I took her through a baptism guide that I'd created for the church years ago and just said, well, let's go through that one-on-one and just really talk about the meaning of baptism and make sure you really understand what that is. And it's been, you know, I think a couple sessions at Starbucks, just, just walking through that really specific thing that's coming up for her. Um, but really the two, two words for me, Jeff, that come up in general are uh, attentiveness and narration. Um, attentiveness is kind of that idea of, of focusing on each kid, you know, really, really seeing them. Um, we know an overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that as the word count grows with each of my daughters, I have more and more of a vantage into their heart. And so I'm hearing what they're struggling with. I'm hearing what they're excited about. I'm hearing about some broken ways of looking at the world or their, themselves sometimes, even the, their self-image. Uh, and I'm able to kind of speak into that, encourage, correct, and train. And so... Yeah, that attentiveness is just huge for me because uh, my, my girls are really intense and they're really different. And so um, one size fits all just really doesn't really fly with, with them. Um, and the next one's narration. I think that for me, and I just by that, I just mean looking at what, you know, Jesus did with the disciples. You know, when he was in the, the temple and saw the widow put it, her might in the, in the coffer, he stops the disciples and says, hey, did you see what just happened? Did you see what she just did? That she gave more than you know these wealthy people will ever give, and, and explains that in real time. And so, um, uh, yeah, I really try to look for those moments where a truth about God, or or even sometimes folly, uh, somebody is is in folly and pointing it out in real time, so that the girls are seeing it, and we can have a you know not maybe with the people present, but when we get in the car or afterwards, debrief it and and really explain it. Um, I actually had an experience like that recently where there was a, a TikTok meetup, which Jeff, I don't know if you know what that is. I didn't know what it was until we were there, but several TikTok influencers all met, met up in Fort Worth at a restaurant. And it took us a while to even figure out what they were doing because they were such a grab bag. But anyway, we ended up asking, Hey, what are y'all doing? Like, oh, this is a TikTok meetup. We're all TikTok influencers trying to build our audience or whatever. Okay. Uh, but one of the, it was, it was actually pretty, uh, sad the way that they were sexualizing some of these young girls for these videos. We're talking like 14, 15 year old girls. And uh, we were grieved by it. And our girls were watching this all play out. And so in the, in the car on the drive home from this restaurant, we were able to debrief like modesty and, and, you know, what kind of attention do you want for boys and why? And, and who are those girls, you know, in the image of God and, and who are our girls and, and where are they going to find their worth and their value? And what happens to the girls that do that? And what happens to the people who watch it? You know, and just all of the implications of that. But it's a it's a real time moment that becomes a, a teaching lesson. Uh, and, and our girls end up having a lot of passion. And I would say even conviction seem like form fairly quickly around, man, that's just not good. You know, that's not a good plan. And and we're, of course, thankful for that. <laughs> uh, but I think it was probably more powerful than if we had just 
opened up a passage and read about purity, right? It's it's more enfleshed. It's it's more um, more powerful to see it lived out. Um, yeah, but let's let's transition a little bit, Jeff, to you know some of our role. You and I both worked in the church uh, for many years, and so we're also we're not just thinking about our family. We're thinking about the whole church being equipped. Um, how do we think about, or how do you think about uh, coming alongside parents? Um, you know, to disciple their own kids and and maybe even specifically what shouldn't be assumed about what our parents know how to do with their kids? Yeah, I mean, it's such a good question. I think the tendency too often, and I've done this myself, is just assume parents have a plan or that they're even equipped to implement a plan with their kids. When reality, what many of us are discovering even during COVID is that many didn't have a personal plan for their own discipleship. They maybe didn't even know how to engage in the spiritual practices themselves. And so there wasn't a deep formation in them that could then be passed on to their children. So I'd say, first of all, don't assume that any parents know the basics and are walking them out themselves. And then second, don't assume that they know how to do it with their kids, that they have a plan to do it with their kids. Because uh, in most cases, I think it's just not the case that parents have been thinking through that very effectively. And I, I don't say that to bring shame on parents, but just to say, like, as leaders in the church, it's partly our job to to come alongside and ensure that every adult disciple is not only discipled, but is able to disciple others, especially their children. So don't assume that they know how to. No, that's huge. Yeah. How can leaders come alongside uh, parents to, to be better equipped to disciple their kids? Well, I think I think we need to be asking, are we providing tools in the church? You know, for us, we're, we're taking advantage of how much people are on their phones. So we have an app now that we've created that brings them through spiritual practices and even has some guides to take their families through around the basic spiritual disciplines just to establish them in their household in that. I think we can do that. I think creating places where people can share their struggle, whether that's, you know, you have missional communities or small groups, but even periodically having those groups talk about the challenge of parenting and discipling our kids and having very open conversations so that people don't feel alone, that they can share their learnings to together. I, I think a lot of people think everybody else is doing a great job, but they're, they're terrible at it. And the truth is we all struggle. I mean, I, I look back and have so many regrets over things I wish I could do differently. But as I interact with others, go, okay, I'm not alone. We're all working through this. I think we need that kind of encouragement. And I, I do think it needs to show up in our preaching and our teaching. I think we not only need to reference that we, we expect parents to take this seriously, but then give illustrations about how we're doing it, what it looks like in our own household, you know, through uh, the stories you tell and the examples that you provide. And, and I think it's even important to make sure you're really more overt about the kinds of conversations parents should be having with their kids. More recently in our state, there's a significant move uh, to bring sex education to very young kids and, and probably talking about topics that really no one else but parents should be talking to these kids about. And it's raised a good opportunity for me to speak to parents and say, hey, you know, you should be having these conversations. It should be normative that your kids feel very safe, very free to talk about any topic with you as mom and dad. And so then to even give the the illustration of here's the conversations we have with our kids at our dinner table. And it's, I mean, it's everything. We, anything goes at our dinner table. We won't, we've created a really safe place for that. So our kids don't feel like there's 
any ever a topic that can't be discussed. And I, but I think as leaders, we need to set the stage for that to say, parents, that's how it should be. Your kids should feel most free and most open to talk about issues like sexuality, but like everything else, things that they're struggling with, sins that they have committed, faith doubts that they're really having. And so, so we have to provide that example, I think, for parents by being leaders who also lead by sharing the stories of our own struggles and our own situations. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. How about you, man? But what what do you, what are the recommendations you'd give for leaders in the church right now? Yeah, I I try to do a somewhat informal assessment when I'm with with parents. You know, just getting a, a sense for what they currently do with their kids and what it looks like for them to do that. I know uh, sometimes even just being aware that there isn't a plan is a good step for a parent to realize. Wow, I I don't have a plan, or I do have a plan, but it may be incomplete and uh, I'll sometimes ask them about desires they have for their kids, maybe even with a, a deadline in mind, like, you know, what would you like to see your kids be equipped to do by the time they go to college? You know, what are some of the things that you'd love to see them formed in before they go to college? And then how, how might we address some of those things? What's, what's one thing you can do in the next month to, to maybe get after addressing one of those gaps? Um, and then like you, you mentioned this earlier, but inviting them to tap into you know, the gifts of the, the body of Christ and not feeling as if it's all on their shoulders uh, to, to see the full formation of their children uh, just through their time and effort and energy. And so um, I know I, gosh, I praise God for the ways my in-laws pour into my girls, you know, when, when I see them discipling them intentionally, you know, my mother-in-law would say to my daughters, Hey, you know, if you memorize Romans eight with me this summer, I'll buy you whatever, or whatever, you know, it's just stuff like that where you're like, Oh my gosh, there's, there's someone else in this with us. You know, it's not just on us to see our kids, you know, totally formed uh, in Christ. And of course, we talked about engagement with the body and in general. Um, I think, gosh, one of the most important things we do is, is get our kids in community with adults and with kids and leaders and mentors uh, to, to be experiencing all the, all the fruit of that. Yeah, I honestly believe that may be one of the greatest gifts of the church is that we don't have to do discipleship in isolation or carry all the weight on our own shoulders. You know, whether that's encouraging the children's ministry director to, to really think their job is to equip parents or the youth ministry directors to come alongside and equip the parents. But then to know, like, even in our groups, let's not do this alone. In fact, sometimes I wonder, like, what if we could think outside the box and really imagine discipleship in an entirely different way? Like, what kinds of ideas would we come up with? If we really owned it together and it said it doesn't just have to be limited to a Sunday experience. Have you ever thought through that yourself in terms of like, man, what would it look like if we could just like reframe up discipleship in community of our kids? Yeah, no, that's that's huge because in COVID, some of the the normal rhythms of the church have been disrupted. And so the, the ways that we used to form kids has changed fundamentally if it were built a lot around a, maybe a Sunday embodied strategy or otherwise. And so, yeah, I've been thinking, Jeff, here's one thing that I'm kind of toying with. And it's the, it's the idea of, you know, content and equipping, you know, gaps being done, not so much throughout the whole year across, let's say, 10-week series or a 10-week curriculum, but actually getting away from multiple retreats a year. Um, and so in a way, it's going deep and versus wide. And I just find that families in the community where I am are very busy with sports. They're very busy week to week. And so even if you do 
let's say a 10 week series of the story of God. And you, you want your kids to be formed and knowing the whole story of what God has done and is doing, uh, you might get seven out of 10 weeks attendance from someone, you know, yeah, you're uh, <laughs> yeah, you're lucky. And sometimes you get less than that. And so the question is, what if we found the gaps in the year, the lulls in the, in the calendar, and we did a full story of God retreat with those kids, you know, and what if we did another one on prayer, you know, and what if we found the four biggest equipping needs in, in, the, in the demographic for that year and we went deep and retreat versus program, you know, and, and, and weekly uh, commitments. And, and then, as you know, with retreats, you get all of the informal time, all the trust building time. And there's a reason we use them with missional communities and use them with adults because you accelerate the relationship so much further than you can do in, in a more program, you know, uh, hour and a half or two hour block uh, slowly over time. And so uh, that's something I'm kicking around and, and even actively with, with the, the church that I'm working with right now, just what if we, we mapped four retreats for our kids this year, what, are the, what would be the, the gaps that are need to be addressed and what would be the best way to get after that uh, with the kids and, and really see some deep investment happen. That's a great idea, man. I love it. I I'm looking forward to the next spring. We're hopefully going to be taking our, our family to Israel for 10 days. Uh, cause I just know that in an intentional in uh, extended time together with other people is so rich. And if I could, you know, if I could bring my kids to a place to go like, Hey, let's learn about Jesus immersed in the context of where he walked and where he did his ministry. And yeah, I'm hope I get to do it. I hope COVID doesn't keep us from it. But I think anytime parents can intentionally set aside time and even their budget in some way. And yeah, not everybody can do what I'm going to do, though they maybe could raise support and get people to help them do it. Uh, but we all can think, I, I think, in more intentional ways about how to create extended space together around the basics of discipleship. Jesus did it with his disciples. He'd often get away himself to be alone, but he'd also take his disciples away from the crowds and do intensive times together. And so parents, man, we can do this with our kids. Think about what kind of formation we can create by giving them those kinds of experiences. Yeah, Jeff, as you're talking, it just kind of reminds me of a phrase that we used to use, you know, years ago that I still think is every bit as relevant, which is, you know, we're not talking about adding things to our lives so much as adding gospel intentionality to the everyday things we already do, you know, and if we can live with that lens of our kids development, their discipleship as a daily thing, as a constant opportunity, um, we don't need to beat ourselves up that it's not, you know, we haven't done it perfectly or we don't have the, the most robust thing, but we just can say, man, what's something intentional I can do today towards my kids formation? And I think as we do that, it's bricks in the wall, you know, they just keep stacking up over time and it becomes, you know, a, a significant part uh, of their formation. So now this has been uh, really helpful, Jeff. Uh, I think this is, you know, just so relevant, uh, not only in COVID, but always as we think about the church uh, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, as we think about gospel saturation and the everyday stuff of life. Um, I want to just uh, remind the Saturate audience about the relaunch of the Saturate membership. Uh, we've actually added 13 video courses in the membership. And Jeff, I know you've experienced with Saturate the Sound and some of the work that you're doing uh, with, with churches there that, that learning communities coming around key content is a, is a profound way of helping equip disciples for the work of ministry. It might even be relevant for family, right? To look at some of those courses and go, hey, 
my kids can watch a five minute video and then we can go away to Starbucks or we can go get a haircut or we can just ride in the car and talk about what that looked like and what they got out of it and what they're thinking. And, and so, yeah, you might check out the membership, a lot of video courses in there, videos in small, small batch, uh, bite-sized versions so that communities or individuals can uh, really, really dive in. Uh, the Saturate membership is free for the first five days. So you can get in and, and use it as much as you, you want and discover, hey, if this is a tool or resource that I could see myself really benefiting from. And so it's kind of risk-free there, uh, but that really just is there for the equipping. Um, also want to uh, just let you guys know next time we'll be with leaders from the Tampa Underground. If you've never heard of the Tampa Underground. They're, they're really similar in heart and, and mind with, with us. They, they have a micro church movement in Tampa and now increasingly beyond Tampa. And we'll be talking about how mission communities are similar to micro churches. We'll be talking about what they're learning about uh, a decentralized uh, discipleship effort in cities and and yeah, you're not, not going to want to miss out on this conversation. Um, thanks again, Jeff, uh, for your insight. Uh, Saturate friends, as always, uh, thank you for, for tuning in to Saturate Podcast. And until next time, we hope you enjoy Jesus as you make disciples in the everyday stuff of life.